Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith. Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Analysis, sitting next to my co-host, Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Good to be here. Welcome to the show. We always enjoy having you here. Thank you very much. You are welcome. This show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning ideas, the likes of which we hope will give you a lifetime of making smarter financial decisions. This is a live program most of the time. But today we are pre-recording the show. And we will be back, though. And if you want to call during the show um, in the future, you can always reach us at 866-472-5790. Please email us with your thoughts. Ethan, would you mind giving out our contact information? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, You can reach us anytime via email at uh, contact at empiradio.com. Or you can reach us here at the Empirical Office at the Empirical Towers in beautiful downtown Seattle at 206-923-3474. And uh, by the way, if um, this is a recorded show, as Ken mentioned, but if you'd like to visit our website, you can go to empiricalfs.com. And we've created a new video uh, that uh, I want to bring your attention to on the five secrets to retirement. Just click on the link there and watch the 20-minute video, and I'm sure you'll find it useful and informative. Yeah, it's quite well, and I know you did a live presentation in front of a small group today, Ethan, and uh, glad to hear that it went very well. That's right, that's right, and also um, we do have upcoming events and seminars um, for that same presentation. I, the, the, the video version is about 20 minutes long, like I mentioned, but the in-person version is about an hour, and there's a lot more content in the live version. So if you're interested in attending, uh, look at our calendar of events here and feel free to reserve a spot. That sounds pretty good, Ethan, that sounds pretty good. Well, as you know, the show is designed, again, to share with you investing and financial planning ideas. And you went through some of the fine points of what gets covered in your Retirement Advantage program. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you know, I've been working on a presentation for answering the question of how do I get a lifetime of income without worrying about running out of money. Right. And uh, what we've created is what we call the Empirical Dynamic Income Distribution System or model. 
and uh, we'll be posting up that presentation as well. Mm -hmm. And the crux of it, and you can call us anytime if you want to learn about this or you're making this decision or any of the decisions surrounding retirement, that you cover, Ethan, in your five points and that I'll be covering in my discussion, particularly with how do you put together, with all the thousands of investment vehicles out there, how do you put together a strategy that gives you the highest amount of confidence that you will be able to derive the income you need mm -hmm. without running out of money? And so some of those questions, I'll just give you a little sampler. Great. Ethan, if that's okay, if I might. Sure. And then we'll move on. I want to talk a little bit about all the hype about the fiscal cliff. I want to talk about some of the steps that uh, we've put together here, that just a little refresher on some of the steps we think you need to implement to have a successful investment experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we have time, we'll get through as much of that as we can. And I'd like to do a quick overview, Ethan, of uh, just general what's been going on in the market year to date. We've had okay. a little rebound, all this volatility lately. Right. It's nice to see the rebound, and it's also nice to take a look at how broad diversification is paying off, at least within the global portfolios that we're designing. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the dynamic income distribution, this this decision of, hey, what, what do I do uh, if I'm getting near retirement? I've got a portfolio that I've been saving. I'm going to have maybe Social Security as part of the decision that you cover. Maybe there's a pension, uh, and I'm trying to figure out how to handle my money in, in a way that, again, I don't run out. I'm not too aggressive with my investments, but I'm not too conservative. And the issues there, if I'm too aggressive or I'm not properly investing, I could take risk that is catastrophic that I can't recover from mm -hmm. and causes me to run out of money early. It's right. a huge issue. Sure. Um, but at the same time, if I'm too conservative, inflation may eat away at at my real purchasing power, and I might run out of money just because of that. Exactly. Um, so then there's annuities, right? There's stocks, bonds, mutual funds of all different kinds, annuities. How do they fit into the picture? And at what point and how, how much should, would I consider to put in that? And why would I use one of those? And what benefits are there and what costs? Mm -hmm. Certainly, there's something you give up, which is an irrevocable in a lot of cases. Transfer of that pool for that lifetime income. Right. Right. So, really, what I'm trying to do with this is to show step by step. Hey, as I, tr as I progress through retirement, how should I divide up my, my re retirement horizon? What is my retirement horizon? What income do I need and how should I divide that up? And then how do I match across those different time spans of the proper investments, the best investment strategy I can that fits your personal objectives, but also your personal tastes and tolerances for risk and need and desire for a particular return? And how does that fit in with the decision of, yeah, I have my goals of lifetime income and the lifestyle I want to live. And then I have my goal of having some sort of a cushion along the way. And some some of us may have charitable or other legacy objectives in mind. Mm -hmm. So how do I establish a framework to divide up my money into these different areas? Um, and, and that's what I, I'm trying to bring light to Ethan and the project that I'm working on. Right. If that's something that you're dealing with, though, give us a call. 
something we're very experienced handling. And the other part of that, Ethan, is not just when I enter into retirement or as I'm planning for it in the next five to ten years, say, or mm-hmm. into it, how should my investment structure change each year as I progress through retirement? How should I be viewing my investment component? Mm-hmm. Should my asset allocation change? If so, how much should it change and when? So these are all things that need to be addressed when you're trying to develop the best strategy. Sure, no doubt. Any thoughts, comments, or concerns, Ethan? I just like what I'm hearing there. You just you like I'm what's excited. going on. I know, you I know like we de- you developed the uh, the system, and now I'm, I'm anxious to hear uh, and learn more about the uh, the actual presentation you were we'll be working on. Okay, we'll stay tuned. Um, moving right along, Ethan. Okay. I thought uh, it'd be interesting to kind of take a look at year to date what's going on in some of the investment categories that we like to invest in and what's done the best, what's done the worst, uh, and how do these all fit in together? And I was just looking on, I like to use a dimensional fund. They have a lot of the, uh, dimensional fund advisors have a lot of the broad asset classes that we track listed on a daily basis. And year to date, Ethan, it's international real estate is still at the top, up 29.22%. Wow. um, For the fund that they have tracking that category of the market. I think we we need um, an appropriate sound effect for that. I, I, I would was love something the, the, the juicy, like, oh, you know, oh, something juicy. Really shocking that it's that that good this year. That that is pretty intense. It's um, really good. Again, I I think if we went back to the beginning of the year, I don't know if a lot of people were projecting any of the growth investments in a publicly traded market to be up thirty percent right now. In light of the news and the constant discussion about the fiscal cliff, even. You probably wouldn't sense that, oh, there's some broadly diversified asset classes that are up in the double digits like that and that high. Yeah. So it's it's pretty encouraging. And second, go ahead. I do have one Ethan little, has little a comment. nugget to add to that. The, uh, oh, neat nugget. Domestic real estate is up too, but it's only up 12, 12.45%. If you can believe that, right? Wow. So there's a huge discrepancy in the returns for U.S. versus international. And it's interesting to me that... In the past, it has been more or less the domestic had been leading the charge, but now obviously that's obviously it was dominating it. Yeah, now it's yeah. between the two anyway. It's it's flip flopped. It's just interesting how that occurs. It is, and even though they're in the same class, the real estate, mm-hmm. um, and even though correlations tend to go up during difficult times, as we hear, I've yep. heard so many times out into the financial media, and this idea is: did modern portfolio theory break down? Did diversification? Blah, it, I've said repeatedly over and over again for a long period of time that it works in up markets as well. Yeah. So it, you don't diversify simply because you don't want to see your portfolio ever drop. Although that can be a benefit two out of three times. Mm-hmm. You know, It doesn't work in every single da- time the market goes down on a worldwide b- basis. But it does work actually pretty reasonably frequently. Mm-hmm. But it also works very well in capturing upside potential uh, because the long-term returns of these investments sometimes they in very short quick bursts of return that's right um, and you don't know where it's going to come from again who would have thought predicted those returns for either of those markets and the dis- the, d- the disparity between them so it's just another in my view ethan it's just another uh 
confirmation of why we diversify across these asset classes. And it's also a confirmation of, hey, if I was picking stocks this year, if I was going Jim Cramer style, uh, uh-huh. Jim Cramer style, if I was doing that, uh, you know, hoping to beat the large cap part of the market, you know, I could have got diversified some of my portfolio into, into international real estate and got 30% per percent. Well, U.S. large uh, companies maybe did something like 16% as an example. Right. Um, I'm sure exactly. Do you have the large cap U.S.? Yeah, I saw the enhanced there. That was, uh, or is that? Yeah, that did 15.4%. Yes, it's pretty close. So pretty close. It's almost double though. Yeah, exactly. Right? So what am I wasting my time with ridiculous nonsense that doesn't work? Right. By the way, or, or reading Motley Fool articles or subscribing to that garbage. When I, I can simply structure my portfolio in a more prudent way. And if I was really smart, I'd get an advisor to help me do that right. with the best investments I can find. So what you're saying is why, why kill yourself over trying to find a, a fund that invests in large company stocks that beats, actually beats the index, the S&P 500, by an, a percent or two, when you simply can own another asset class that returned 30% this year? That's the easier of the two objectives, I think. I think, Ethan, that is precisely what I'm saying. You've nailed it. Thank you very much. <laughs> righty then. All right. So anyway, real estate, we talked about second on the list here of, of the classes that we're keeping an eye on. U.S. large value, um, 17.72%. Wow, that's pretty good, too. Emerging market small cap, 16.1% year-to-date. I like that. U.S. Uh, small value in four, fourth place here at uh, 15.9%. Yep. Then you had your large U.S. company, like we said, mm-hmm. about 15 uh, international small cap value up fourteen point one eight year to date, um, and on, you can go down. That's, the that's surprising. Yeah, I mean international stocks as a group, you know, didn't haven't had the best year relative to the most of them, and that's uh, you know to have fourteen percent return in a, a part of the market, i.e. international. That's been really been struggling, right? They've gone through um, a pretty bad downturn, particularly in Europe, right, with the eurozone crisis and all that stuff. So to me, that's surprising to see, and I, I would bet that most folks, had they been asked or been polled at the beginning of the year, hey, what do you where do you expect that to fall? You wouldn't say positive fourteen percent that year. Most folks wouldn't say that. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, you have the large international like the IFA, yeah, uh, up twelve point three three. Okay, given everything that's going on, that's Even that's not, surprising, right? Right. I would I would think people would be surprised. Well, really, that's that's the case. I, I'm shocked by that. It's positive twelve percent, even though we have the Euro, eurozone Greek crisis going on. Spain and Italy, right? I mean, I'm just... That's exactly right, Ethan. And if you look at just a a pretty diversified general global equity, Mm -hmm. we take that pretty vanilla global equity, it's just a worldwide global portfolio that DFA runs, up Uh, 13.69% year-to-date. Yeah. And I think in the context of everything that we've kind of gone through here and what the news always seems to be pretty gloomy in the media, that... That's not bad. Thirteen points. If I could get that every year, yeah, um, we're not we're done with the year yet. But I'm just saying, right. what, what, what that, what else would we be shooting for? Yeah. You know, well, and and keep in mind all the articles we talked about at the beginning of this year and last year about the death of equities. It's exactly that's my point. I was going to raise that point. Talk to me. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. You, you've heard over and over again. Well, I, people <laughs> squealing. We're not going to. We shouldn't expect. 
future returns have been anything close to what they've been in the in the in the past. That's so, all we've heard. Right. They're going to be exceptionally all lower. We I read articles, forward, a smart money article. You can't afford to have advice. Right. Because the returns are we're, we're destined to low returns. Right. Obviously not true, right? I mean, not true at all. It's proof I is mean, right here. We were making predictions, but that's the point. Exactly right. It it's it's very very interesting to see all, how this always r- plays out. Um, and it's usually very different than what the common conventional wisdom is at the time. Agreed. Um, and what is the what's the takeaway from this little review, Ethan? You know, how how are we helping people here make smarter decisions going forward? What's the takeaway from us talking about this? Yeah, well, I'm sure huh? there's, there's several. I'm guessing, but uh, throw one out there. You know, to me, it's not about predicting markets. It's not about predicting when to be in and out of stocks. It's 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 prudent investing principles that always are in style. Those are the things that have proven to work, and they've been proven to work for very good reasons. Because they work. It reaffirms my belief, <laughs> yes, exactly. and, and that was you know, sometimes it's hard not to 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 be shaken with this. Hey, we're in a new world. We're in this or that, or this doesn't work anymore. And the the overwhelming bombardment that I get, Ethan, from investment product pushers that have created everything under the sun to because the market's not going to do well. Um, and all the money they put out and all the money they've attracted into these strategies mm-hmm. only to, to, to actually be able to say, hey, you know, avoiding that stuff was the right thing. Ian, we've got to take a quick break. Let's take a, a, a momentary okay. pause for some uh, commercial break. We'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. And we're back, uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith here in the uh, Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle. <laughs> um, if you'd like to contact us, you can do so at contact at empiradio.com, or you can reach us via phone here at the office at 206-923-3474. And we were just finishing up um, our discussion before the break there on the performance of the different types of asset classes year-to-date. And how some of these things are, I think, pretty surprising. And then we're going to move into uh, the next section of our program here now. And Ken, what are we, where are we going next with this? I just thought we could, uh, with our time here, we could talk a little bit about, um, we could do it in any order, but just a little about the fiscal cliff stuff. Oh, that's a good idea. And uh, Eric had forwarded me the briefings at Morningstar. has got a kind of a... a a series of articles they've been tracking on this. Mm-hmm. You and I went to an investment conference and got to see uh, Simpson and Bowles talk about the fiscal cliff and some of the issues there. Right. And it just seems like everywhere you turn, people love saying fiscal cliff. So yes. I thought we could do that for at least two or three minutes. At minimum. Fiscal cliff. Fiscal cliff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and relate that to we were just writing about some of the uh, things inherent in our investment philosophy that we think um, ten, ten, ten approaches to success. Okay. And invested clear there are more, but these are just ten things we picked out. Right. So I don't know, Ethan, how you want to approach that. Do you want to? Yeah, let's talk about the, maybe uh, the. Um, let's save the fiscal cliff talk until later on in the show, and then let's talk about the the ten, right. the ten steps, the ten ideas, ten ideas in the uh, recent newsletter. Let's talk about that. Um, now, I want to start with a quote from Benjamin Graham, famous investor, Ethan. He said, investing should be more like watching paint dry or watching the grass grow. If you want excitement, take $800 and go to Vegas. And this was you know, probably quite a bit. He was quite a bit uh, a while ago. So $800 would have been... Yeah, I, I would have a good time with 800 bucks in Vegas Yeah, today. even today, right? Yeah, sure. um, guy like you. Hmm? Not a big spender, yeah. so you know. Yeah, so I I think that's relative as a starting point in this. In that, if if you're finding a lot of excitement in investing or stress, um, you're doing something wrong. I was just going to say that. No, you weren't. I was. Were you? Yeah. We're we're in sync, bro. I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean, though that 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 um, the further you can remove yourself from the day to day stuff yeah um the news and if you're if you're asking about well what should i be doing about the you're you're already in a bad place um in terms of you you really should know what you're doing or have someone who does have your advisor that does and can explain to you what we're doing and why there's value and not reacting to every little news bit that comes out and not necessarily being ignorant about what's going on in the world but not Understanding that trying to get ahead of global trends in whatever area uh, can be 
virtually impossible to do and be long term have long term success and more importantly it's not necessary right there, there's enough work to be done here's advisors there's a, so much value in excess of what we charge our clients to do just on all the other things that we're working on to add return to mm-hmm. cl- and to to preserve return over the lifetime that those things that actually don't even work would be are the are the last thing on the list you right. know uh so anyway, first of all, number one uh, is you have to develop an investment strategy. So the first thing anyone should do when they're investing in any way, and we see this issue if you look at how people invest their 401ks or mm-hmm. you look at things where maybe they didn't even, otherwise they wouldn't normally be investing, but they're just in it. Um, very few people take the time to really map out what's my strategy here. What am I trying to accomplish? What should I expect uh, from my portfolio? How will it help me get to where I want to go? Is it a serious thing? Go ahead, Ethan. I was just going to say, I agree with this 100%, that having a strategy is probably the most important thing. And you can talk about, well, which strategies are best. But not having a strategy is not a good solution. There are different levels, I think, once you enter the the room, you're in, in the door, Walk, walk through the door, you're in the room now, of investment strategies. Any of those are going to be better than not having a strategy at all. Now, clearly there are, there are investment strategies themselves that are better than others, too. But I think that is key. Having one and sticking to it is important. That's right. If you can, um, and if you cannot, again, get someone who can, get this stuff down in writing. Take some time to, before you just randomly go out and start buying investments, or because you pick up a single book off the shelf and and some guru is telling you that this is the global trend or this is the way you should be investing, mm-hmm. um, sit down and start with the important, the important things about what you're trying to accomplish with your life and your finances. Talk to your spouse if you have one or your partner about this as well and include them in that discussion. Have If you have an advisor, which again we do recommend, if you have a good one, they're they going to want to know what are you actually trying to do here? Mm-hmm. What type of return do we need? But more importantly, why do we need it? What is it going to do for us? What's our time frame? Um, have some discussion about risk before you wind up in a in a situation where you've already lost more money than you could tolerate okay. or could afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Vegas analogy is kind of funny because most people who don't have a gambling problem probably say, hey, I can afford to lose this amount when I go. And I realize that the odds are against me. I'm not expecting to go and get my trip paid for. If you are, give Ethan a call and he can run through the numbers with you. Well, you know, <laughs> <Exactly>. why, that, <laughs> why you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> or the questions about the lottery, you know, and different payoffs and things like that. But sure. um, clearly, you know, most of us, if we're on thinking with our rational hats on, we're going to approach that in a certain way. This says, hey, I can afford to lose a few, as Benjamin Graham said, hey, I can, I can afford to do this. It'll be exciting. I don't like losing money. But I know what I'm, what I'm dealing with there. But all too often when it comes to investing, which I've always said the, the investment markets can be treated like casinos. It's all up to you in terms of how you want to do that. Right. Um, or they can be treated as a place where you're investing capital with a positive expected return. 
Yeah, in other words, it can be it can be very speculative if you treat it that way. Yes, and then the outcome there is the expected outcome is is to to lose basically, or but, you can treat it as an investment where you there, you follow the rules of of an, of an investment type of approach, where the outcome again is in your favor. Actually, you expect to have a positive result with those types of things. There's nobody, there's it, outside of a uh, of a again. I, I don't mean to keep beating our own drum here or whatever about having an advisor, but outside of that kind of a relationship. Brokerage companies are all too happy to let you invest any way you want. You could put all your money in one stock. Right. But that has been proven to be a pretty dangerous approach to things. Even give you tools to, to, to trade all the time or have the, you know, that which creates the illusion of control with the free high frequency trading or, um, you know, the, the, the tools that are available at the, the various brokerage firms for that purpose. Stocks, screenings, and so forth and so on. So, yeah. Step one, you need to have and develop an investment strategy, um, including all the things I mentioned, and get it down in writing, and then know in advance, hey, what, what do I expect? Part of that strategy should be, what should I expect to happen with this portfolio? Um, and understand uh, how that works. I don't know if that makes sense, but... If I'm investing and I start in the next year, what 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 are the possible outcomes over the next single year? If I'm not comfortable with what's already happened, if I don't know my market history, then I'm in trouble. But if I do, and I was buying all stocks, no matter how much I diversify, and I own every stock in the world, it wouldn't be out of the question that that portfolio could be down 20% next year. Sure. Actually, quite a bit more in reality. So I shouldn't be in a different place a year from now, uh, abandoning and changing and doing all kinds of weird stuff, unless I didn't know that going into it. Right. But if I knew that, I'd say that's why I'm not investing in all stocks if I only have a single year to get to where I need to be with Agreed. my objectives. So that part of it and having the strategy, having it in writing, understanding what your goals and objectives are, having some soul-searching discussion with you and your partner and your spouse about risk and how we'll approach that. Having a strategy around how you address the media can be a part of that investment strategy. Are we going to listen to that? If so, who are we going to listen to? I know you and I have been doing this for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating how sometimes um, people who you've done a good job for for a long period of time are apt or prone to listen to people they don't even know that write random things with very different agendas and and uh, personal agendas with what they're doing um so why you know why would you listen to somebody like that because it's it's very easy to get articles it's very easy to get published out there particularly the more outrageous the th the, the thing you're doing the more easy it is to get on cnbc that's a good point right i don't put people on the talk the way we do ethan <laughs> they put people on who make outrageous claims extreme statements yeah. and claims and uh, yeah exactly right it's it's a little study on how the media works, how our brain processes the emotional things we do. It makes it very clear. So having an investment strategy when you're calm and not out of the market and holding yourself accountable to it helps. Right. Step number two, Ethan. Make, well, we're, hang on. We're only on number two now? Yeah, I'm sorry. How many steps we got? Ten, but I can speed through the rest of them. And we've got another at least 16 minutes. Son, is that going to work out okay? It's going to work beautifully. All right, let's do it. Just brace yourself. Okay, I'm, I'm taking on. on a journey here. <laughs> I love it. I don't know why you always got to hammer me. <laughs> uh, so step number two, let's keep rolling. Okay. 
make investment decisions based on evidence-based research. Hmm. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? I think that makes good sense, right? I mean, if you're if you're looking for to make the most of your money, you want to know what evidence is available about investing. Like, what does evident the evidence say about how best to invest? So, yeah, I think to me it is a critical step too. I think this is this is good. I don't know who wrote this, but this is really good stuff. No, yeah. Uh, but it makes good sense that you want to know, well, hey, what's worked in the past and why has it worked relative to just kind of going, ignoring it altogether and then coming up with your own inventions about how best to invest, right? So that's what I think what we mean by evidence-based research. There, there's lots and lots of things out there that have been done over the last many decades by academics uh, and uh, academics and other people like that in the industry that have shown us, hey, this, these are the things to look for when investing. Right, um, and it is like, like like you always say they're not done by some people with an axe to grind. They're simply people who have, have looked at the data and and understand it, and then gotten to these conclusions. Yes, it's it's. Uh, I think you nailed it there, Ethan. I mean, it's being committed to engaging in strategies and you're investing or doing anything that you can find sufficient evidence to support that decision. Right. In medicine, they use an evidence based approach to practicing medicine now right um and you know we've kind of adopted that in in our industry or what we're trying to do as advisors to say hey the 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 definition i had found about that um on the medical side was you're taking the best research you have available clinical studies Mm -hmm. trials all those kinds of things and then you're taking a a practitioner who has experience the doctor the health professional and you're combining that with the client's personal preferences and what their what their situation is to come up with a with results in terms of what the recommended strategy is but what if it was entirely based on feeling hey i i just don't feel good about that so go ahead and cut me open and let's do, let's do what we got to do <laughs> um, rather than saying hey there are different procedures that accomplish what we need to do Here's what the results have been in in, in, in studies or tracking of, of this. Um, you have a 70% survival rate. We could do this. It has this survival, but it has these things that go with it. Right. Much different. And, hey, here's my personal experience as a doctor, you know, as a professional doctor, what I've seen here. But how do you feel about it, right? It's not relying on any one of those because I'm not saying don't j- just rely on some single study. Yeah. We don't do that. No. One wouldn't um, be enough, right? No. But we certainly don't listen to guys like Jim Cramer or other guys who just get on and randomly spew opinions where they have no evidence for what they do. Their existence has any, you know, it's not any different than uh, the viability of having a fortune teller tell you where the stock market's going. Would you do that and put all your money in that? Right. Because there's very little difference between those guys and what fortune tellers do. And, and the difference between the evidence-based strategy, I mean, if you're looking at the two worlds. You have the speculative strategies and the evidence-based strategies. If you're looking for the evidence, looking for evidence, period, on either either one, you're not going to find a lot of support for the, the speculative strategies. Therefore, you must conclude that the evidence doesn't exist, and therefore you should not engage in that strategy. And if you, if you make a commitment to be an evidence-based investor, we would call an empirical investor. Right. That's our whole premise of our, our name and our company right. and the show. If you make a commitment to that, you will likely have a better investment experience over your lifetime. Yeah. All right. And no, so no doubt we're whipping it. through these like, like nothing. We're on number three. Excellent. We're going to have to take a quick break, though, here, Ethan. So maybe we'll, 
we'll come back and we'll get through three through ten here in the in the in the last segment. And I just want to invite you if 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 you have any comments about this, I'll give you my personal email. It's ksmith at empiricalfs for financialservices.com. Ksmith at empiricalfs. Feel free to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're an advisor and you have thoughts out there about what we're saying, if you take issue to what we're saying, if you're an author, whatever, we want to talk about it and we'd love to address it on the program. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back for our last segment go through the last seven steps to being successful. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Uh, before we continue the rest of the show, I'll give out our contact information one more time. If you'd like to reach us, you can email us at contact at empiradio.com, or you can reach us here at the Empirical uh, Towers at downtown Seattle at two zero six nine two three three four seven four. Whether you're an individual investor looking for some help, 
uh, or a professional as well looking to partner up with a well-established firm like ours. We'd love to speak with you both. Uh, Ken, before the break, we're just heading into our, our last segment here, and we're going to talk about the, the 10 secrets of successful investing, and we're on number three already. We're really cruising here. We are cruising, and I will, we'll get through all 10 of them. So don't worry if you're listening. We're not going to keep you in suspense. We're going to get through all 10. I feel like you're writing checks. Your body today. can't cash right oh, now. Oh, I can cash it. <laughs> all right. Let's give it a shot. All right, Ethan. So number t- number three here, and I don't know that these are necessarily in order, but um, generally they are. Diversify. Uh, it's really the only free lunch, I believe, in investing to the extent that it doesn't take a lot of effort. Right. But the impact it can have is enormous. And there's no such thing as this idea that, that these principles don't apply anymore. So if anyone's telling you that, just nod your head and kindly escort yourself away <laughs> and continue to diversify like crazy. Right, exactly. Okay? Because <laughs> it, it, the market can be an incredibly powerful and incredibly exciting thing because you're taking your money that you've gone out and earned and you're handing it over to investing it in companies that have their most companies do is their objective to grow and they're deploying that capital for you um it's really exciting when you think about that you know that you can participate in that and you've got some of the brightest people in the world at these companies working for you right in essence Mm -hmm. turning your money into more money now, sure, we've had some market downturns. You'll, we'll always go through that. But there's no denying, Ethan, that if you look across the investment world, investing in stocks has been an incredible, powerful tool, and more so at certain times than others, to grow and preserve wealth and to do it in a way where you're not actively managing. There's, I can't imagine a better way to leverage your time right, at, right and energy than to allow others to go out and build fortunes for you, and you participate in that. But it can also be a very dangerous, as we just talked about, mm-hmm. place where a lot of people do lose all their money and their life savings at all the wrong time. Um, and we've seen this through each different type of bubble that's gone on. We get greedy, and we want to jump in, and we don't want to miss out. And so we start to abandon things, and we listen to the media and to the gurus of the day saying, hey, the old rules don't apply. You don't need to diversify. Put all your money in tech stocks in the late 90s. Put it all in real estate. Put it all in div- gold. Put it all in high dividend paying stocks, right? right exactly. If that's more reason. Whatever it right. is that they're saying, you have to say that's, you know, be able to step away from that and say, hey, no matter what time I was in history, mm-hmm. Would a broadly taking the diversification that I could have implemented in that time, would it have helped me? If I didn't put all my money in real estate at any point in time, if I didn't put it all in stocks, I didn't put it all in bonds, I didn't put it all in gold, I didn't put it all within each of those sectors of just one type of stock or one single stock. It's one of the most critical things that I think people just discount as too obvious to even listen to a lot of times. Um, because you would yeah. think you we would right. for how obvious it is or or how simple it seems, how many people do we come across that just are not properly diversified? Well, uh, my experience tells me that most people are not properly diversified. Most being what the percentage of vast people majority. that you run into on the street? North of ninety-five percent. Okay, 
So isn't that kind of interesting? It that, is. That the, the one thing that is the easiest is ex- never been cheaper or more cost-effective right. a way to be True. able to diversify it virtually. Zeal expense now mm-hmm. is still something that people are not doing. It's the one thing that even guys like Jim Cramer would probably agree. I keep hammering on him the show, but that even guys that do things that we don't agree with agree, would have a hard time arguing against. <laughs> right, sure. Um, and say, well, no, you should really just own a single stock or you should just own a single fund investing in a single area of mm-hmm. the market. Yet it is one of those things that is probably, like you said, the largest mistake we see day in and day out. It's a big one. So you need to diversify. Don't let little things like, hey, one t- one time in X many years we've had a, a global market decline, which, by the way, has substantially recovered if you did do a global portfolio, yep. uh, be a justification for not taking prudent strategies. Right. You know, it's like saying, well, hey, somebody out there got lung cancer that didn't smoke. So guess what? I puff away. All your... You, you, you're not putting yourself in a great position if that's the way you're approaching these things. Sure. So just because people have owned single stocks or single sectors and done well does not mean it's a great strategy. Agreed. Okay, number four. Control your risk exposure. You want to talk about that? I feel like Karnak the Magnificent all of a sudden. Yeah, Control Karnak. your risk exposure. And we should have some clever answer to that. Okay. Do you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, well, it? I think they're talking here about, and I, I, I haven't read this entire piece, but control your risk exposure. That means control how much exposure you have to risky assets. I think they're talking more, more about the asset allocation, in my view. Um, so you don't want to have 100%. Even though you may have diversified a diversified portfolio, if it's all stocks, that may not be appropriate, right? You need to control some risk exposure by having some other things in there, like bonds or, or cash. Um, so it's a pretty similar idea as diversification, but you're kind of taking it to a different level. Understand that there is this thing called risk, and that that risk should be evaluated the same or even more intensely when we have good markets than when we have bad markets. And uh, the mistake that we see a lot is when markets start to trend and, and do well, say equity markets or growth assets or whatever class it is, mm-hmm. the risk associated with that in particular strategy begins, uh, or at least the perception begins to, to decline, that there's risk there. Right. That's that's correct. We have as soon as a memories. particular asset class isn't doing well, it's, extre- it's thought to be extremely risky. Right. And a quick example of that would be, hey, as the stock market was declining and, and we've got people peddling gold, I've had people say, I want to get into safe stuff like gold. Yet, Eric and I were just looking at this. I've looked at it for the last decade several times. Gold has enormous volatility. It's dropped 60% in a single year. Right. Um, how, how can an, an investment or a, something that you can invest in that can drop 60% in a single year be looked at as, I want something that's less risky? Right. Well, the reason is because at the time the person's saying that, it's just been doing nothing but trending upward. Right. So the perception that the risk is, is not there, and it's somehow a safe asset, like a treasury bond almost, mm-hmm is entirely a function of not understanding how to control your risk exposure. And part of that is knowing your market history and these asset classes or your investments. You should know what they've done in the past, not because you blindly follow the past as some great guide you know, to predicting the future. It's more about understanding what's possible, right. and particularly in a, on a risk side. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Sometimes there are good explanations why things may be anomaly, but more times than not, um, you can look into the past and see that volatility and have a pretty good sense of what to expect in terms of potential loss in the future. So anyway, you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of how that risk exposure relates to your time frame and, your again, your personal ability to, to tolerate risk and to stick through because one of the key things in being successful is you have to be there as the market recovers. If you always pull out after it drops yeah, and move to the next asset class that's been doing well, Recently, sure. we see that overwhelmingly in the data. Yeah. We talk about this in the letter that um, brokerage firms are now really reluctant to even release their trading data, their investors, because they've done so poorly. Yeah. And it doesn't really help them perpetuate their story of do-it-yourself yeah. and trade. Yep. It's, it's very easy to follow the winners. You know, buy, Look for stocks or, or asset classes or investments have done well recently, buy them. Well, guess what? They, they stop doing well once you buy them. Um, so obviously it's a, it's a very, uh, I think, a poor strategy. Number five, Ethan, beat the market by outsmarting the market. So if you want to beat the market, first of all, Define the market as what? Um, beating the S&P 500 by beating stock by picking a handful of stocks that you think will do better? Well, you're not outsmarting the market if you're doing that. You're falling victim to the market if you're doing that. Mm -hmm. How you outsmart the market is you say, hey, is there a way that I can actually do better than a large percentage of investors out there? Right now, what would be the strategies I can take to do better than most professional managers out there? And there's a reason why this is possible, and it has to do with the cost of investing and the arithmetic of investing. Because if we're all in the market, in the end, we get the return as a group of the market. But it's minus the expenses because you have your friends at the brokerage business who are happy to deduct a fee when we trade. And even if commissions are free, there's a difference between the buy price and the sell price when you're dealing with individual securities, right? That's right. Or even exchange-traded funds. There you've got a couple layers. You've got the individual securities with the buy and sell, but then on the exchange-traded fund itself has a bid and an ask price. Mm -hmm. So every time you're going in and out, don't be fooled by the fact that some brokerage firm offers you free trades or trading ETFs for free or any of that kind of stuff. There are other costs that are implied there. There's market impact costs of moving money in and out of stocks and other types of things. There's tax costs, which can be enormous in a taxable account. Sure. Don't worry, we're going to get through them all. <laughs> uh, so how do you do this? Well, if you look at that and you say, if I was hiring a, a professional or you were going out and doing it, there are costs of, of doing that. And one of the things you can do is reduce the drag. If we all get the market minus 1%, right? If the market did 10 and we all got it minus 1, we got 9%. But what if I had only cost me a half a percent, Ethan? Yep. I didn't have to pick better stocks than you did. I just beat you by a half a percent. I just beat the rest of the group because I was able to invest at a cost of a half a percent, and the rest of you did it at 1%. Mm -hmm. You can beat the market by outsmarting the market, but not in the traditional sense that most of the media and the financial gurus purport right. that you can. And that difference may sound small, and indeed maybe in one year it is. But imagine you're doing it for your entire lifetime. Oh, it's big. It's big. It is big. Okay, number six, stick with, stick with proven techniques, Ethan. I think that's a good idea. What do you think? 
Yeah. Yeah? Do you have any comments? You know, uh, let's go through this really quick here. Well, one of the things that if we talk about proven Ah, techniques, mm -hmm. and it kind of coincides with uh, looking at an evidence-based or empirical approach investing. Yeah, a little bit redundant there. But the idea that there are certain areas of the market that because they're riskier or for other explanations have higher expected returns. And rather than going out and trying to attempt to beat the market or outsmart the market by picking stocks from in some unproven way, you could orient your portfolio to be more small company stocks as an example. Mm-hmm. Small company stocks historically generate a higher return. Seems reasonable since they tend to be more volatile, yep. risky. And so there are several other th- things like that that have been more evidence-based or have proven to work that I would engage in before I got to the unproven strategies. Right. Number seven, focus on tax efficiency. I think that speaks for itself, but a lot of the returns that get tossed around um, in the in the professional world or even across industries, they don't account for the tax, which the tax can be enormous. Yeah. And with all this fiscal cliff discussion, the one thing that should be coming is you should be getting with a professional now more than ever. Rather than running and not investing, you just need to understand what the implications of the changing tax code may be. And what decisions, while you still have some options to make a decision, you can take now to best prepare yourself and over the next 10 years. And right. you cover some of that in your presentation. Sure. And, you know, looking, talking about tax efficiency, you're looking at the, the speculative strategies tend to be very tax inefficient. In fact, you'll, you'll, talk, you'll have um, you know, speculative managers that are running mutual funds and things say, hey, you know, I would only use my strategy in an IRA account because it's so tax inefficient. That's right. So that's something you need to be aware of. And you try to, again, it isn't any one of these things, I think. It's it's doing them all in concert together is where, where the maximum amount of value is can be had for an investor. Oh, yeah. Right? All Any one of these is good, but all of them together is great. So investing in tax-efficient vehicles and strategies, which we do, yep. doing engaging in actually an active approach to tax loss harvesting, mm-hmm. which we do. Doing asset placement, as you mentioned, putting investments in the right boxes, yep. um, right types of accounts, and uh, we don't have time to go into detail on all that, but again, the state is, we, we've got it everywhere for you. Right. Number eight, avoid unnecessary trading cost. Uh, in my explanation of the arithmetic of the market returns, um, I talked about how we're all going to get the market returns, but one way of outsmarting the market and doing better is by reducing unnecessary costs. And some of those are trading and transaction costs, sure. among some other things. Numerous, numerous studies have shown where you have, if you have act, you trade a lot, you tend to have less or lower returns. That's right. So only trade when you need to. Number nine, Ethan. I think we're going to do it. Periodically review your investment needs and change your portfolio accordingly. It's critical as you're moving through your time horizon right. that you don't wind up a day before retirement owning one all your retirement money in one technology mutual fund in 1999. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay on top of your investments and how they are allocated and invested throughout time. And number 10, Ethan, because we're running out, be patient, be persistent, and stick to your strategy regardless of what the market is doing at the time. That's huge and critical. Maybe we can talk a little more about that next time because we're out of time, Ethan. All right. Give us a call if you want to talk to us throughout the week, 1-800-923-4307. Thank you for tuning in to Empirical Investing Radio, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Ken. 
We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.